Welcome to Working Girl Talk, the podcast for the woman who works, where each week we cover the latest headlines the businesswoman needs to know, and we chat to inspiring women making an impact in their industry and the world. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. We are back this week with a great episode. Super excited for you guys to be here today. And we will be going over some quick headlines to know about. Then we'll dive right into the interview with today's guest. First, let's discuss the probably the biggest topic in the social media and marketing world right now, the Facebook boycott that's happening right now. So we have a lot of huge companies like Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Starbucks, Target, Verizon, all these companies are pulling ads from Facebook for the month of July. So why is this happening? Will it really make an impact on Facebook's bottom line? This boycott kind of started over the past few weeks. A few different groups claimed that Facebook has allowed hate groups to flourish on its platform for too long. And the hashtag stop hate for profit is like the hashtag for this campaign. So an analysis by Fortune finds that it would take thousands of Facebook's 8 million advertisers to make a dent. Last year, Facebook had almost $70 billion in ad revenue. So many analysts see the boycott as largely symbolic. So this is just something to know about so far on the Verges report they said 240 companies across many industries have signed on to the stop hate for profit campaign according to the campaign's website so just something to know that's happening in the advertising world and the marketing world this month and if you would like to learn more about this because there's a lot of moving parts to this I would definitely check out the Verges article on it which I do always link the articles I talk about in the show notes so if you ever want to check out any of the articles I talk about definitely head to the show notes, click the links. Next story. Earlier this week, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a very unusual ruling, according to The Verge, on the status of website names. So they decided that booking.com is eligible for a federal trademark, even though it's based on a generic term. Bloomberg reports that the 8 to 1 decision gives booking.com nationwide legal protection against competing trademarks so i'm sure you're aware of booking.com or you can book flights hotels all that good stuff so they won their trademark battle this week so u.s trademark law doesn't allow a company to claim ownership of a name in an entire goods like cars or computers as the verge uses in their example as that would give an unfair advantage over competitors as reported by reuters so that's why this was such a big deal so this kind of opens the way possibly for different website names in the future being able to have trademark access. And the last interesting note about this case is the booking.com case was the first time the Supreme Court conducted oral argument over the phone because of the pandemic. So that's pretty interesting. Last story before we head into our interview, Search Engine Journal reports that Google has published a new resource to answer commonly asked questions about YouTube search results, which this is amazing because the more info we can get on that, the better we can optimize videos for search on YouTube, get that algorithm working for you. So very much like YouTube SEO, just the more you know, the better you'll be. So Google created a whole website actually called How YouTube Works, which offers an in-depth look at all components of the YouTube platform. That is it for today's headlines. We'll dive right into the interview now. I am super excited to have Trudy Bourgeois with us on Working Girl Talk today. She is amazing. A little bit more about her. 
Trudy is one of America's leading experts on transformational leadership and a highly regarded leader in the field of leadership and diversity and inclusion, an expert at developing managers and leaders and on how to unleash the greatest potential of every employee. Bourgeois is a highly sought out resource. She definitely is. She is the founder and CEO of the Center for Workforce Excellence and has been leading the organization for nearly two decades. Trudy has an amazing story. She has so much insight to offer and she has given a lot of speeches and talks in the past. So if you YouTube her, definitely check out some of her previous work. And she is a published author. So she has multiple books for women in leadership about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And it's frankly like she's just amazing. So I'm super excited to have her on today and can't wait for you to hear it. So everyone, please welcome Trudy to Working Girl Talk. Hello, Working Girl Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have Trudy with us and I am so excited. Welcome to the show, Trudy. Thank you very much, Abby, for having me. I am so excited. So we're going to dive into some great stuff today. So just to start off, I would love for you to do just like a really brief who you are and what you do, that quick intro. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I am an advocate for diversity, equality, and inclusion. I get up every day um, leading this company, trying to help organizations create cultures where people really can authentically engage and be valued and uh, be afforded opportunities for success like everybody else. I love it. So awesome. Let's go back. So in typical working girl talk fashion, let's go back in time a little bit and talk about your career journey. So we're going to go all the way back. Um, where did you grow up? What was childhood like? And did you always kind of know you're going to end up with like being an entrepreneur or did that come later? So where did it all begin? Uh, great questions. Well, first of all, Abby, I, I was born in Alabama. I was born into segregation. Uh, I was a part of desegregation. I lived through Jim Crow. Um, so from very early in my um, development, I would tell people that I would want, uh, you know, one day to be a president of a business. And they would tap me on the head and say, well, you know, trade school. And, uh, and so this quest for equality, it, it really chose me. Um, and, um, and then what happened was my husband and I got married. Uh, next week, we're going to celebrate our 40th year uh, uh, of marriage. Super Congrats. excited about that. And a couple of years later, we had our first child. And our first child was born with Down syndrome. And so I thought, actually, that I wanted to be like a professor. Like, I really wanted to do more of what I'm doing, actually, right now. But at the time, I was like, I need money. Um, uh, you know, there weren't the kind of programs that are available for special needs um, children uh, at the time like it is now and so I actually took a job um, in sales so my background is sales and marketing um, but my love is people I started as a sales rep carrying a, a call bag and dusting off <laughs> displays and putting stock back on the shelves and spending lots way too much time in the middle of the night setting and resetting gondolas like when you walk into a store those things have to be set in the middle of the night and um and before i left i was vice president of national accounts and so i had a, a, a really great business unit three billion dollar business unit and you know lots of um you know wonderful people around me but but my heart 
um, ached. It ached because I couldn't, I, I wasn't accepted for uh, who I was um, as a black female, as a Creole black female. It, 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 was, it was difficult in corporate for, for me. And one day I woke up after a series of God sent interventions and I said, geez, this is not even fun. What, what do, I mean, yeah, you, you know, you, you got the golden handcuffs, you know, they, they, my company car was a Mercedes Benz E320 and, you know, they, they gave you the bennies, but I wasn't happy and I didn't like myself. And so, um, oh, it took almost two years um, to get to a place where I was like, okay, I'm going to walk away. And everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, my mom started crying the day that I called her to tell her I was going to leave the job. I think she was afraid I was never going to make any more money and I wasn't going to be able to give her any more checks. <laughs> but um, I went on, a, on an adventure to discover what um, my true passions were. And that's how I became an entrepreneur. So I didn't start out to be an entrepreneur. I just knew I wanted to run a business and and had that seat at the at the table. Um, but as it turned out, this is how, how I ended up. I love it. So cool. I feel like that's how it is a lot of the time. You don't expect what life will bring you and you end up where you are for a reason though, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so can we talk about starting the Center for Workforce Excellence? So how did that start? And I guess how is it different today than when you started it? Oh, great question. Well, well, first of all, my second child, our second child, uh, uh, we have a daughter. Um, she was really a part of the catalyst for me finding the courage along with my husband to start the business. Um, you know, she and I have a wonderful relationship, but I remember uh, I, like many other women, I probably just worked, worked, worked. Like I had a home office and a, you know, corporate office. And on a Saturday, I was supposed to take her to a volleyball tournament. And um, I kept on delaying her. I kept on saying, just one more email. Just give me, give me one more minute. And finally, she just got so frustrated that she just let it out. And she screamed at me and she said, mom, I don't want to be like you when I grow up. And that was, right, dagger to the heart. <laughs> um, and so um, my husband then just really said, well, Trudy, you need to, you know, follow your heart. And so I uh, hung a shingle in August of, guess what, 20, uh, 2001. Okay, so it was 9-11, right? Um, and a crazy time to start, but we've been very fortunate. Um, and we've been busy since day one. And when I first started, I really just focused on women because I, I knew how hard it was to be a woman and, and on top of that, to be a woman of color. And so I, I had this heartfelt desire to, to tell people what I knew or, or share what I knew. And so, um, a gentleman that I had befriended when I was in corporate, uh, he's so successful. His name is James White. He used to be CEO of Jamba Juice, and now he's head of so many different boards. But he called me uh, on a Monday. He said, I hear you're on, on the market. And I said, oh, I'm really thinking about doing my own thing. And he said, well, listen, um, why don't you come work for me? And I was like, no, I am not doing corporate anymore. God, listen. And uh, so he said, let me call you back. And like two or three days later, he called me back, and he said, well, I've got six women 
who I'm going to give you to coach. I think all six of them can get to the C-suite. Show me what you got. And that's how my national business started. That is so cool. Wow. That mm-hmm. is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you felt such a difference too, because you're, t- you're talking about how in that other job, you didn't feel that purpose and it was just work. And then now you have this job full of purpose, which I think is what a lot of people are looking for, that purpose. Yes. I mean, it was the, the, the level of satisfaction of making a difference in somebody's life is just so significant. And it was, it was really, my first book was born out of coaching those first six women because they kept on saying, okay, do you have that written down? And I knew I wanted to write, but I, you know, I didn't know I was ready to write. And, um, and, and so it was, a uh, a whole new world. Like, like I, I was socialized as a kid to believe that you put your head down, you do good work, good things are going to come to you. My parents didn't know anything about corporate America. I was the first one in the family to work in corporate America. And so I just didn't have the understanding of the, of the rules, the lay of the land. And, and, and in just sharing, gosh, it was just like a, being in a candy store, right? I mean, like I would say something and people would be like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. And I'd say, I know, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. So, so it was satisfying from the standpoint that now five of those six are actually in the C-suite and doing really well. Um, but it was just satisfying to, to know that my work had meaning. And it was, yes, passion, but it was impact right? Like real impact, not some widget that I'm selling or, you know, some uh, multi-million dollar, billion dollar deal, but really um, transforming people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is awesome. So yeah. cool. And that's so cool that five, five out of the six are in the C-suite now, like mm-hmm. full circle. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, is there something, so back then starting out and to now, is there something that still like rings true for people, like a common thing that like women and people of color struggle with in the workplace? Like, is there something like, whether that's self-doubt or is there something that you, like a trend you've seen that you should be working on a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that um, what, what I see is a red thread in, in many cases, and I see it sometimes in myself too, uh, and it drove me to create a model. Um, we don't know our value. And so we allow other people to define our identities instead of us being confident in who we are. And one of the exercises, Abby, that I would love for your listeners to do is to um, is pull over, sit down, take a piece of paper, and write down the 10 most defining moments in your life. And ask yourself, what, 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 what do I not know about me? Right? Like I... I am resilient. And I know that because when my child was born with Down syndrome and they said institutionalize him and he would never, you know, be functional. And I said, you're not God, we're going to take our our baby home. Um, That taught me something that nobody can take away from me. Right. So I, I think we as women, we give away our power sometimes too easily because we allow others to define our dreams, others to define our passions, others to define our ministries and our work. And, and I'm just, no, that is unacceptable. So I think we, we need to know who we are and what we're made of and, um, and give ourselves permission to, to understand our value and impact 
and uh, communicate that with no freaking apologies. I love that. And that's hitting me. I'm like, oh man, like how many times do I do that at work? And I'm sure so many others are like thinking about that right now. I'm definitely going to write down that top 10 list after this. Yeah, you should do it. It's that, a great exercise. Yeah, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to dive into a little bit about what your current book, your newest book is about and um, like just what you do at the Center of Workforce Excellence. So I know, like, so I watched your Conscious Capitalism talk from 2018 and I liked that you approached the subject of like diversity inclusion and you said a lot of like CEOs and business people are afraid to talk about this, but this is not a scary subject. So how can you talk to that and why people shouldn't be afraid to approach this? And I think, especially right now with the current climate of like the news cycle and what's happening yeah. is on people's minds, but they might yeah. not know how to start these courageous conversations, as you would say. Yeah, well, as you know, the, the book is Courageous Conversations about women, men, and race um, to spark a, a diversity and inclusion breakthrough. I, I have long held that... Um, organizations have looked at diversity and inclusion and they have pontificated that it was a business imperative. And I have called BS on that for a decade. And um, because I don't know what business imperative, if, you, if, you're, if you've ever managed your business, what business imperative would you not solve in 50 years and have a job? I just don't, um, that just doesn't speak to my heart. Um, and so what we at, at the Center for Workforce Excellence, what we um, do is non-traditional ways of advancing real conversations. Um, and that includes touching the third rail. And the third rail is race. That is what we have not been talking about, right? It's sort of like, <gasps> just don't go there. But here's the deal. Corporate America is nothing more than a reflection of society. So you've got your white supremacist walking down the halls. You've got your, your bigots, your racist, your sexist, your da 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 All of that's right there in your organization. So I think until we, we have the conversation, we don't even know what problems that we're solving. And the gift that George Floyd has given the world is a reason to pause and a reason to connect to the emotional pain that people feel on a daily basis. And um, I think the CEOs who uh, really are dedicated to their organizations, not just the CEOs, but if this, the buck does start and stop with the CEOs, um, they're scared because they don't understand. And, but you, you gotta go get, get yourself educated, right? I mean, it's like, you know, some people have no earthly idea that as a, a, a black Creole uh, female, I walk into a store, people walk behind me because they think I'm gonna steal something. They have no idea that that's the daily experience. They have no idea that you walk into the room and you're the only one and you're wondering what stereotypes that people are putting on you. And so you're constantly in this, this mode of trying to cover or, or adjust to try and be liked and welcomed. And there's some great research um, out there on this. The Center for Talent Innovation out of New York did a, a great study just last year about the black leader experience. And you, know, you tell people, uh, now that we're having these conversations, you, 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 know, you, you start talking about these experiences and people are like, oh, 
can't believe that that's happening at this organization. Like, where have you been? So it's really time to get out of the bubble. But, you know, the thing that, that I say is that all of us have something to learn, myself included. This is not about blame and shame. It's about accountability and equity and equality. It's not about blame. And white men are included in this dialogue, and so are white women. And Abby, what really is so impressive to me in your um, leading this podcast is your uh, willingness to be courageous, to have the tough conversations. One of the tough conversations that we need to have as women is that we are not connecting across differences. White women have been the biggest beneficiary of affirmative action. And it's because it was meant for blacks to be able to be included into the workplace. But we don't talk to each other across generations. We don't talk to each other across race. And so consequently, we're losing out on opportunities to advance and lift each other up, right? And so we, you know, we hit all of those kinds of subjects, um, including um, transformation. Uh, cultural transformation, because I think until we get to the root cause, nothing really is going to change. Definitely. So many great points right there. And I think that's really interesting, too, to bring up like how white women really have a lot of power in this, too, to help lift everyone up, which brings me to something else I wanted to talk to you about. I think allyship is a word getting like used a lot right now. At least I've seen it like on social media and kind of more than I ever have, actually. And what are your thoughts on allyship, how we can be better allies? Because if we're not having these conversations and not lifting each other up, how what's like a good step to start doing that? Is it just the fact like to acknowledge it right here that it's not happening? Well, that's the first thing is to touch the brutal facts right? You have to really get yourself out of the bubble and be awakened to the reality of the uh, harsh and traumatic impact of racism and oppression and bias and microaggressions and all of those things that, you know, people have said, oh, it's not that bad, you know. Well, you know, if you had to live it every day of your life, you would know, know how bad it is. But I fundamentally believe, which is why I wrote that fourth book, until we have a conversation, nothing changes. And so how do we start to have the conversations? I think, you know, we really have to be curious like sincerely curious, right? The dominant group has to do their own work. They can't expect the, you know, members of the non-dominant group to bring the the solutions. Um, You know, the the, uh, oppression and the whole construct that was made by, by men, white men specifically to create power dynamics and so we we have to have the the conversations not just with ourselves of course like i said we as women i think we we have some conversations that we have to have but we got to stop putting you know the brown people in a room and y'all talk about about it the you know the women in a room y'all talk about it we 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 bring together the managers and the underrepresented minority uh, to have a shared learning experience. And the reason is because it's the, it's the only way that, that we can both learn, both of us learn how to have a dialogue, not conflict, but a dialogue where we're, we're curious, we're empathetic, we're compassionate. 
and we don't discount when someone says, I, I'm in pain. I mean, what happens in corporate America uh, a lot is that when people do try and come forth to say, um, I've experienced retaliation or I um, believe I haven't gotten promoted because of bias, you know, people will say, you know what, you're making too much of it. Right. And so people often discount the, the stories of pain. And if people would slow down and listen, if they would be curious, empathetic, compassionate and listen. Right. Those those would be things that, that any of us could do. It doesn't cost us a dime. And, you know, it, put put the truth out there. The truth of the matter is, is that if you live in the United States of America and you're white, it's 99 percent probable that your grandfather or your great grandfather had slaves let's just call it what it is and you know bring it out into the light into the open and stop being intimidated by by history because if we don't understand history as you know the saying goes we'll repeat it mm -hmm. yeah that is such a good thing to remember and i like that you said that all of these things like just being curious having these conversations like it's not like that doesn't take much and that makes a huge impact mm -hmm. In fact, it's, it's always, Abby, the small things. It's, a, you know, for, for me and for my life, um, when I was in grade school, I could only go into two homes of all the kids that I went to school with because I was black. And one of the homes that I went into were the Donaghy's. And um, those people changed my life. Like, they changed my life. I mean, the, the Donaghy's were a white family. Mary Lou Donaghy Highland is my, my friend. And... Um, and, and they, they were willing not just to, to do what we're asking people to do, have a conversation back then, if you were white and you were caught, you know, befriending blacks, well, the white people would get beaten up, right? Besides the black people get beaten up. And so, you know, it's not like we're asking you to lay down and bleed and die. No, just, you know, be willing to open up your heart. And because they were, um, willing to open up their heart, they breathed possibility thinking into me and, you know, convinced me that I could do, um, you know, along with my family, anything that I, I wanted to do. So the conversation can be a catalyst for a breakthrough, right? It, it really can be. And like, if we have dialogue and then we're able to build trust, then, then we can go deeper and then we can go deeper and then we can go deeper. But if we don't start, then nothing's going to change. Exactly. And I, I still think like it's great. Like somebody in my, like you think that that was so long ago, like, oh, like segregation was a thing of the past. But to hear that, like you experienced it, like that is so like, whoa, like it's like a reality check for me. And I'm sure a lot of listeners that this is not like a problem of the past. Like this is in recent history. Oh, no. It, you know, in fact, Abby, I've had nightmares um in in the last few weeks just flashbacks to seeing crosses burn or nooses hanging uh white only signs you know a, a period of history that i had so prayed and hoped that we had gotten beyond but but we haven't because we never touched the brutal truth we never touched those facts and so we're still stuck in the loop. But now, as I said, the, the gift that George has given us is that people have paused and they've gone, oh, maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention. And that has 
caused people to now host town halls. I can't tell you how many town halls with companies, you know, um, large and small that we've had over the last month with CEOs and people weep. I mean, people just finally are letting all the pain out. And um, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a little shocking, but, but then when you say, okay, wow, so that's real, huh? Then you can say, talk to me about what it feels like. Talk to me about what that feels like. And then you can compare that to what you um, feel like. Like you, you know, as a member of the dominant group, you don't have to, to wake up worrying about what kind of clothes that you wear. I talked to the, a gentleman just the other day. Um, he told me, he's a black gentleman. He says, I change my shirts three times a day on, on my Zoom calls. He says, because I have to make sure that I have a collar because I don't want to intimidate them. And um, it's, it, oh, it is so incredibly deep. Um, just the things that you have to do and be aware of, just not, not to be given even equal opportunity, just not to be put down in such a harsh, belittling uh, way that you become invisible. That, that's the pain that we have to, we have to have a, a reckoning. So we have to awaken, then we gotta be, you know, curious and empathetic and we've got to you know really um, be compassionate and listen and then we get to move to what you're talking about which is the allyship right and so the allyship is just another word for me for someone who is a champion um, and and quite frankly I think every human should be a champion for every human right and I, it's it's really sad that we have to have a word that gives you brownie points for treating a human with dignity and respect, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it should be um, the common behavior. Unfortunately, it's not. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get up every day trying to make better. Uh, and some days we make some progress, some days we get slapped down, but we just keep on, you know, I figure if I move the, the needle a little bit, and then you, Abby, through your work, you're going to move the needle a little bit more, and each of us takes our turn, and we do the best that we have can in the time that we have, and, and hopefully, you know, um, my biracial granddaughter uh, and her biracial cousins won't be having the same conversation 50 years from now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great mindset to have. And you are definitely making an impact here today. So I'm very excited. We are running short on time. So I wanted to ask you one quick thing before we head into some quick questions for you. So I wanted to talk about bias a little bit more. So I was digging around on your Instagram in preparation for this. And I found a video of you talking about bias and how quote, bias is the root cause of the challenges that women and people of color face in corporate America. Can you just talk to that a little bit? Like, why is this still a problem? And how do we identify bias? And because maybe some people don't even realize they're being biased, or it's coming from a place that they're just not aware of that it's happening. Yeah, I would like to believe, uh, Abby, that most people uh, it really truly is unconscious bias, but there's conscious bias as well. Definitely. And it's all about um, you have to be like me. You have to talk like me, act like me, think like me, speak like me, uh, have the same values as me. Otherwise, I don't see you as equal. That's as basic as I can put it. Now, for women, um, bias, um, for gender bias, and there's all kinds of biases, but 
you know, we often have the mansplaining episode, you know, like what I think she's trying to say is, right? And, you know, we need those allies and champions to say she can speak for herself. And, but, but it's all about power. It's all about control. It's all about power. It's all about dominance. And um, so this is why right now our country is at a pivotal point. Um, because some people see what's happening as a teardown of companies uh, uh, heritage and rights and history and 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 what I say is look bias is real our, our, our brains are wired to be biased what we have to do is we have to awaken ourselves and and, and then um, uh, make a different choice right like I was raised Catholic so the things that I, I was taught about uh, different sexual orientations as a kid uh, were not nice. Well, I don't think like that anymore because I made an intentional choice. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm really perplexed when people go, I just don't know how to do it. Yeah, you do. You have a special needs child. You'll change. Your biases will change. Have some life experiences and your biases will change. But you got to admit that you're biased or you're not going to do anything different. Exactly. And I think too, that like really that self-reflection is a lot of it too. We don't want to acknowledge it or it's like, oh, like I'm not that way. So I don't, you don't think about it, but everyone probably has something they could be working on. Everybody, myself included. I mean, that, that's exactly what happens is people stay in the bubble. It's too, it's too scary for them to come out, right. And acknowledge what's really happening in the world. Um, you know, just the other day, my daughter's mother-in-law in the midst of all that's going on in the world, she said, oh, Mayor, I had, my daughter's name is Mary Ellen. She goes, oh, Mayor, I had no idea that you were facing these challenges. And she honestly didn't, because um, she hadn't been awakened. So if you can continue the dialogue and awaken people to the harsh realities, then your conscious will take over. You won't go back to sleep. You'll be bothered. You'll be bothered in your head. And you'll wonder, um, and that's why in the book I say you have to make it personal. At the end of the day, if this doesn't impact you personally, you're not going to do it. You don't have any motivation, any incentive to do it. Totally. I think that is perfect right there. And where can everyone buy the book if they're interested? I'm assuming like all the places like Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest because people you know, can't go um, because of COVID out shopping. So True. Amazon is, is out there. And then of course my website is workforceexcellence.com and you know, I'm out on social media, Trudy Bourgeois. And so, you know, love for people to stay in contact. Um, not not you know to follow me, but to get tips and uh, more strategies and more tools to um, engage their their in their own conversations, and that's the challenge I'd like to put uh, as an invitation to, to the feet of those who are listening to our conversation. And the and the invitation is have a courageous conversation, do some self reflection, and see how comfortable are you in talking about race in the workplace or in the world? How, how aware are you of the pain and how willing are you to learn? Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a great invitation. So let, let us dive into some quick questions before we hop off. Okay. So just first thing that comes to mind, feel free to elaborate on it too, if you wish. Okay. So first one is first thing I do in the morning. So what's that first thing you do? Say my prayers or say a prayer, at least I've talked to God for a second. <laughs> awesome. 
Uh, next one, my first job ever. Uh, I lied and said that I was 16 when I was 15. I worked at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> next one, a woman in business that inspires you. Ursula Burns. Awesome. And I have blank at my desk always. Lotion. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is a good one to have. Um, the best advice you've ever received. Dream big and never let anybody steal your dreams. I love it. And proudest moment as a business owner. Breaking the million dollar mark in annual sales revenue. That was very rewarding. That is awesome. And last one before we go, I'm inspired by blank. I'm inspired by love and the power of it and what I can do to change the world. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Trudy. This has been so like educational, inspiring. I could talk to you forever. So thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you, Abby. Time. Good luck to you. I'll be listening for your next podcast and keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Trudy. So excited that we were able to make this work and that she's on the show. So fun. And make sure to follow her and check out her book as well. And last but not least, before we go, my Friday favorite is actually a quote I found on Instagram. So the quote is, your excuses just gave someone else an opportunity. Whoo, that is very deep, especially for this Friday morning, but I thought it was a good sentiment. So how many times are we making an excuse about something and letting that fear get to us when we should just be going ahead and doing it? Because the more you procrastinate, you never know, maybe you'll never get to doing it. So Life is short. Life is precious. Make sure to follow your dreams and do what you want to be doing. So hopefully that inspires you and not scares you. <laughs> that really impacted me because I know that I can get a little procrastinating when I'm really overwhelmed. So just let that go. Take action. Use your stress as a fuel to be actionable. And with that, I will leave you. If anything resonated with you today, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, give us five stars and let me know what you think. I always love hearing your feedback. I actually got some good feedback this week on the DMs, people requesting different topics for episode, which I, for episodes, which I love. Thank you so much for that. And make sure if you, if you listen to this episode and like it, screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me, tag Trudy, tag Working Girl Talk, all the places. Thank you so, so much for listening. I will talk to you next week.